This is Board Games, a reading series about extremely boring games. One short, yet tedious episode after the other. My name is Sarah. Episode 3. What is boredom? Before I initiated the desk research to get an overview of the state-of-the-art research on boredom and gaining a basic understanding of what boredom means in Western culture, I thought defining boredom would be simple, and I thought that everybody would surely agree on what boredom is and how it feels to be bored. I did not expect scholars, as well as poets, writers, and philosophers to agree on what causes boredom entirely, because there might be differences in opinion or tastes. But I did expect boredom to be understood as a type of experience. In my research on different types of ways to define boredom, I find that a situation, an object, a person, etc. is often described as boring, not out of how it feels, but from what causes boredom. That is, a situation or something is boring, resulting in boredom. In order to get an overview on what we could call an essence of boredom, to even begin understanding the phenomenon, chosen definitions are highlighted and presented here as a nuanced and broadly supported understanding of boredom. There are still inconsistencies in definitions on the bored state, as I will demonstrate too. This works to contextualize my final choice of theoretical framework in approaching boredom. I take none of the theory for granted in the sense that what follows is a type of literary review of what has been said about boredom. But perhaps importantly, one should remember that boredom is commonly known by most people today, and is a frequently experienced emotion. Boredom happens anywhere too. It hits us when we are at work, as well as in our leisure time. I will first touch on the major inconsistencies in definitions of boredom, and hereafter dwell on eight theories on boredom. These theories broadly deal with causes and experiences of boredom, which are 1. The absence of something 2. Anti-motivation 3. Constraints 4. Lack of control 5. Predictability 6. Lack of novelty 7 search for meaning, and finally, eight, the difference between situational and existential boredom. Overall, there is a challenge in finding the causation of boredom. It is not my aim to suggest where boredom originates, but to understand the challenges and benefits associated with focusing on the boring aspect of a given play experience. Inconsistencies in definitions. Differences in the definition of boredom are nicely addressed by Martin et al. in The Phenomenon of Boredom, where, quote, Definitions of boredom are somewhat conflicting, have defined boredom as a state of relatively low arousal and dissatisfaction, which is attributed to an inadequately stimulating situation, whereas for Barbalay, boredom is a state of high arousal. Boredom in its irritability and restlessness is not a feeling of acceptance or of resignation towards a state of indifference. End quote. The differences in opinion between Barbalay and Mikulas and Wodanovich are based on whether or not the board is aggressively 
or passively bored. Goertz et al. also observed these differences and does not consider one truer than the other, and they developed a model to explain how boredom can change into different forms and versions, depending on several factors. Working our way around inconsistencies in definitions might help shed more light on the nature of boredom, as it might teach us how it changes along several factors. In the example of the model by Goetz et al., the higher the displeasure, the more chance there is that the bored person will react out of frustration, whereas if the person is less in pain, the person, the bored person, will stay passive. Each of the different types of boredom are characterized by different ways of perceiving the boredom and thus is handled differently. These definitions and typologies of boredom have been recognized for some time. Boredom as absence. To begin to understand what can be meant as boredom and the experience of being bored, I present a definition by a renowned theorist in boredom, Cynthia Fisher, who in the late 1980s did qualitative research and typologies on boredom at the workplace. She uses the following definition, quote, We define boredom as a transient affective state in which the individual feels that he, she has nothing to do, has too little to do, has to do something uninteresting, which he, she would rather not do at the time, or simply doesn't feel like doing anything in particular yet wishes to be entertained. Boredom may be brought on by factors in the individual, the situation, or more commonly, an interaction of the two. End quote. This is an interesting place to start understanding the meanings of boredom, as it quickly focuses more on the experience of boredom and less on the positivist causation of boredom. Fisher mentions that the bored person feels that there is not enough to do, an emptiness or a lack of something, and an interestedness which for the board should have been there. Absences of things should ordinarily be fine, but in Fisher's definition, the absences are somehow frustrating. Peckron et al. and references therein agree that the phenomenon boredom is, quote, commonly seen as an effective state composed of unpleasant feelings lack of stimulation, or low physiological arousal, end quote. This is consistent with Martin et al., who also mentioned how being unaroused is associated with a bored state. They, like Fisher, focus on boredom as an affective state. They emphasize the unpleasantness of boredom, while also defining boredom by the absence of something, in this case, stimulation, which by the nature of affective states is subjectively understood in the context of the board. Arousal, and talking about boredom in terms of arousal, is also something Fisher notices when she mentions different types of approaches to boredom. One approach focuses on experiences of monotonous tasks and lack of arousal. She also states that approaching boredom, quote, as a result of a repetitive or monotonous task which provides insufficient arousal or stimulation, end quote, is one of the more popular takes on the subject. Boredom as anti-motivation. Similar to Fisher, in Boredom, a lively history, Tohi speaks of boredom as the absence of something and a reaction to what is absent. 
However, he argues that this makes boredom a type of reverse motivation. That is, whoever is bored is motivated to escape whatever bores that person towards that which is absent. In this way, it fits with the idea that boredom is a state of restlessness. And with the idea of anti-motivation, or the motivation to change actively or leave a certain experienced boring situation where the bored might experience a desire to disconnect from the perceived boring situation. Quote, Boredom is categorized as a negative, deactivating emotion because it is experienced as unpleasant and involves a reduction of physiological activation. End quote. Pekron et al. goes on to say that boredom goes beyond dislike, but rather a further experience of handling it. Quote, Whereas lack of interest and enjoyment implies neither the wish to engage in an activity, nor the wish to avoid it, boredom triggers impulses to escape the situation. Lack of interest and enjoyment entail a lack of approach motivation, whereas boredom promotes avoidance motivation. By implication, as seen from a motivational perspective, the difference between these constructs is conceptually equivalent to the difference between a lack of approach and the presence of avoidance. End quote. Tuhi highlights how the bored person's mind starts drifting away from the boring to more desired contexts. He mentions, quote, the 12-foot stair in the 10-foot room, end quote, a description of the gaze a person has when that person disconnects from the world and starts daydreaming. Daydreaming, which could be seen as, if not a type of escape, then a fantasy created out of the desire to escape. Fisher also mentions daydreaming, together with other activities, playing games for example, as remedies against the torments of boredom. Pekron et al. describes said daydreaming, a type of mental disengagement, as a way of escaping, and a symptom of boredom. Boredom as constraints. The question is, of course, if the deactivation slash disconnection is the characterization of boredom, or if it is a symptom of boredom, the cognitive disconnectedness in, for example, daydreaming, will later be mentioned when looking at a contemporary research into example the psychology of boredom in the section named Contemporary Paradigms in Science on Boredom. Boredom and escapism is something other theorists have noticed and highlighted. Escapism in the context of boredom is something I wish to highlight because I often encountered this definition of boredom. It is a sense of being trapped. Tuhi uses a classic example of something boring in being forced to attend church service and Martin et al. also mentions the feeling of entrapment as a key component to boredom. In Martin et al.'s phenomenological qualitative research on boredom, it was one of the most frequently appearing answers to how their respondents felt when bored. A very interesting part of their findings was that the sense of being trapped or forced, and hence bored, could appear both while working and during times of leisure. Martin et al. said that feelings of being trapped by both work and home leisure-related forces and the associated restlessness was the dominant feelings amongst their respondents. Cynthia Fisher divides inquiry of boredom into the following six approaches. Monotonous tasks slash arousal, 
constraints on behavior, sense of time passing slowly, character trait or proneness, lack of interest, and chronic or pathological boredom. Constraints, as she argues, can be seen and approached as many things, a matter of control or lack hereof being one. Quote, to summarize, it appears that constraints affects feelings of boredom in three ways. By directly arousing feelings of external control at the expense of intrinsic interest, by forcing one to remain in a low stimulation slash low possibility of additional stimulation environment, or by forcing one to remain in an environment when an alternative environment is preferred. End quote. Boredom as lack of control. Being forced or feeling trapped against one's will is a familiar notion and can relate to the absence of what is desired or wanted. It appears to be connected to another frequent aspect of boredom, control. This is where we find one of the biggest inconsistencies or disagreements in definitions of boredom, but it deserves attention when accounting for the phenomenon, because in defining it, both high and low sense of personal control have been key to the bored person's boredom in the chosen literature. Martin et al. connects the sense of losing or lacking control being the root of boredom with regard to the sense of being trapped and forced. At first glance, being trapped and forced is a matter of control. I argue, however, that it is beneficial to make a division in between the two, entrapment and control. As said, Fisher sees lack of control as part of an approach to boredom, as constraints on behavior, together with other factors. In a sense, control can also be meant as understanding, or making sense of the world, and so having the control to act according to what one desires. A lack of control can be seen as chaos, or complexity beyond comprehension, perhaps. One has control if one masters how something works. That is, being in control might be a question of mastery, as mastery is gained out of familiarity or sense-making. Focusing on boredom as lack of control is interesting in the sense that it could explain some of the sentiment of Fisher that the bored feels like there is nothing to do. With regards to control, quote, having nothing to do, end quote, is not describing that, quote, nothing is happening, end quote but that there is nothing for the bored person to do. In short, it does not matter if an awful lot is happening around the board, if a person experiences her own helplessness in the chaos and has nothing to do to change the cause of said events, she might become bored. There is, however, a disagreement with this sentiment, or at least an opposing definition of boredom. Flow theory focuses not on being out of control, but simply having too much control over a situation. According to floor theory, boredom arises once one is presented with tasks that reach far under one's skill set. Pickering et al. disagree with flow theory and criticize that it follows a narrative of, quote, the gifted child, end quote, that is bored and understimulated, that is not pushed into flow, that is a deep state of concentration, as they say that what throws students off more is being out of control. 
facing challenges that are too hard. Quote, Traditionally, boredom was assumed to be caused by a lack of challenge, as resulting from a combination of high ability and low task demands. In the educational literature, boredom was attributed to gifted children dealing with environments tailored to the needs of average ability students. In contrast, the evidence from survey studies suggests that boredom is more frequently experienced by low ability than gifted individuals. In sum, the little evidence available suggests that high competencies and perceived control can protect against boredom rather than making individuals susceptible to experiencing this emotion. End quote. The conflict in whether lacking control or having too much control is in the foundation of the bored state. It is worth mentioning. I will, however, not resolve the matter as part of my research as I will later explain in my described foundation of study and chosen method. Boredom as predictability. Predictability is something Tuhi maps out in relation to how boredom is experienced. In my own opinion and understanding of what Tuhi says, it resembles the ideas of Chexen Mihai and flow theory and the bored state of being too much in control. Predictability might be the opposite of strange or new or surprising. It could be another word for monotonous. A question that arises is, how and when does something stop being pleasurable in stable rhythms and become predictable? A question arises often about when something is experienced as tedious and not as its more positive opposition and why that is. This will be picked up later in the paper, but for now, note that experiencing predictability as something unpleasant could maybe be challenged, according to Martin et al. Boredom as lack of novelty. As David Bowie saying in Teenage Wildlife from 1980, same old thing in a brand new drag. Somewhat related to predictability, in my understanding of the matter, is novelty associated with the boring experience. Novelty, though what I would classify as a symptom and effect of boredom, deserves some attention. Svensson dedicates a section in Philosophy of Boredom to relate boredom to novelty as a sad circle of aging. Quote, Everything new soon becomes old. End quote. He says, Associating the routine or predictability to boredom and novelty to the acting bored person. Believing that a sufficient number of different types of experiences or impulses will keep us from boredom makes us seek out potent sensations and impressions. Svensson continues as he speaks of what is different and what is the same, or indifferent. In yet another way of tying strings of language together, as to see what boredom has been and is, we could relate novelty and sensation-seeking to what was said about flow theory, that a type of momentary, unforeseeable challenge, even though not fully related to safety or pleasure, might keep us from being bored. To Svensson, boredom is imminence in its purest form. In The Pleasure of the Text, from 1975, Roland Barthes wrote, quote, Boredom is not far removed from bliss. 
it is bliss seen from the shores of pleasure, end quote, which could be understood as how bliss is outside of the constant, the same, and the safe. Blaise Pascal, mentioned by both Kuhn and Gottstein on The Great Writers of Boredom, connects boredom to, quote, the same, end quote, and, quote, the other, end quote, as he says that the human nature is deeply rooted in movement and novelty. He even goes as far as to say that absolute rest is only death. In his own words, the common is what makes men miserably bored. Quote, Nothing is so intolerable for a man as to be in complete tranquility without passions, without dealings, without diversion, without effort. He then feels his nothingness, isolation, insufficiency, dependence, weakness, emptiness. Immediately there arises from the depths of his soul boredom, gloom, sadness, despair, end quote. Boredom in search for meaning. Fisher mentions approaching boredom in terms of meaning for a bored subject. She emphasizes that a given situation or task or person, etc., can be boring if the person experiencing them sees no real meaning to them. Boredom, in this sense, is in opposition of personal interest. It's just not interesting. Quote, Boredom can be temporary or lifelong, and it straddles subjective and objective worldviews. As such, boredom is both an emotion, the frustration and emptiness that occurs to and within a subject, and an effect, relational and transformative experience slash moods slash feelings of stifled meaninglessness that can happen to or between subjects and objects. At root, boredom is a problem of meaning. The bored subject cannot make or does not find his or her situation meaningful. End quote. Tuhi dwells on the causation of this experienced boredom as meaninglessness or disinterest and states that a seemingly dull task, such as ironing or cooking, could be less boring if you do it for a spouse or children instead of for your solitary self. Tuhi's notion on meaninglessness is also put in a less questionable context than whether or not cooking for offspring. With regards to, for example, volunteer work, Tuhi states that if the end cause is considered good and meaningful and the end result is exciting in itself, the boringness of the task, no matter how tedious it is usually experienced, is renegotiated by the subject. Pekron et al., who uses a framework for boredom called the control value theory, focuses, as the name hints, on the correlation between the experience of boredom in relation to the bored person's subjective value, which refers to the perceived balances of actions and outcomes. The perceived uninteresting chore lacks relevance for the bored person's identity, it is to be said that Pekron et al. understand boredom as something specific and something that cannot be merely defined as a lack of interest or positive emotions, because these are present in other cases than when one is experiencing boredom. Quote, 
Lack of interest can be a cause of boredom, but it is not identical to it. Lack of interest per se is effectively neutral and does not cause emotional pain, in contrast to the torments of boredom. End quote. Interest and involvement is being studied and handled in direct opposition to boredom by Small, Ruth, and others who observe it not in achievement settings, but in instructional situations, which seem similar in relation to their common field of interest in learning contexts. Situational and existential boredom. I found many ways to identify different types of boredom and making typologies on boredom. One of them to serve extra attention because it links into my case study using Heidegger's three types of boredom, situational, existential, and profound. It is the typology of situational and existential boredom. Dolman was the first to coin the term of existential boredom, differentiating it from situative, a term from psychology that also covers the situational in how it refers to a specific context. Quote, Martin Dolman has claimed that boredom is characterized by a dearth of experience. This applies to situative boredom, where it is something specific, or the lack of something specific that bores one. Existential boredom, on the other hand, must fundamentally be understood in the basis of concept of dearth, of accumulated experience. Martin Heidegger, whose extensive writings on the ontology of boredom also somewhat divides boredom into matters of situational and or existential boredom. His lectures on boredom will be presented in its own section in this paper in describing a methodology of case studies. Svensson is inspiring the terminology of this study as he divides this binary into situational boredom and existential boredom. Tsuhi is by far most interested in situational boredom because he considers it neglected, because it is in the shadow of the larger and more pompous existential boredom. He highlights, however, that existential boredom might be of more severe consequences because of the fact that one cannot escape being bored in oneself by everything and that the existentially bored person is oftentimes compared to the person who suffers from depression. In summary, the most important theme from this literary review is that boredom is associated with many different things in terms of satisfaction of a given situation or object, even a person. Sometimes there are inconsistencies, but for now the mentioned themes on boredom are considered as they are present in the chosen key theory for analysis by Heidegger. Exactly the same. It's hard.